This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome, one and all, to this very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am, as always, unfortunately for the rest of you, your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, the oft-described as scholarly, co-host Brittany Page. You forgot to say fortunately for everyone. <laughs> to really get that juxtaposition going. That's not how I work. Mm. If I'm going to shit on myself... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How it works. You really missed an opportunity. I d- I That's know. all I'm saying. I know. <laughs> uh, we are also joined today. It is an auspicious day in I doubt it with Dollamore land. Yes. Is it a land? Yep. It sure is. <laughs> well, one, we're recording in very echoey different surrounds than we're normally accustomed. Yes, we are. And we're also joined by Mike McLaughlin, the former campaign manager, victorious campaign manager of Harley Ruda mm-hmm. from California's 48th district, our home, and new chief of staff for the aforementioned future congressman. Mike, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. We are very, Excited. very happy to have you. After getting Harley on the show three times and uh, Ted Larkin's on the show once, yeah. excited to finally <laughs> yeah. have an episode to listen to. Yeah, that is. <laughs> wow. Wow. Coming out of the gate. <laughs> so it was nice to have you. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time. End of the show. Next episode. <laughs> no, so, so Mike and I have, we've gotten um, to be friendly. Um, I don't think that's too uh, gracious a description of our relationship. We've become buddies. Absolutely. You've been instrumental in um, getting Harley in here a few times, and uh, that's been awesome. Mm-hmm. You also, well, let me do this. Let me let me let me kiss a little ass first. Uh, you're already beginning that. I thought yeah, wasn't me, that already? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I, I just I want to get on the record first, very quickly. There are a lot of people who are in Mike's world who run campaigns and end up uh, working as senior staff. I mean, chief of staff for a congressman's. About as good as it gets without being the member yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been around, I was telling Brittany today, dozens if not hundreds of these people. And I count you in very special category. Because you're actually smart and really good. Now, I haven't seen how you operate as a chief of staff. I'm really more speaking about campaigns. And you have, you're a, a very skilled operator in that environment. And not just about campaign strategy, but also um, the numbers and reading polls and what the the trends are. There's a lot that goes into it that people don't get. And I was impressed that you weren't, that you were as good as you are. I I wasn't impressed that you're not a dumbass. I was, (laughs) I I was just, I was, uh, every time we had a conversation, I'm just like, yeah, he's, he's next level. 
Yeah. Thank so you. I, uh, so. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So how did you get to be next level? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, you know, I've been fortunate to, to, you learn a lot from losing and, and I've been fortunate enough to, to have opportunities to learn a lot, I guess. And worked on campaigns for uh, since 2003. Yeah. Uh, growing up in Virginia and uh, gotten to bounce all over the country. I think 12 or so states and fortunate enough to, to have landed here in California this year with and, and get connected with a really great candidate in Harley and surrounded by a lot of talented people. Right. I think, you know, I appreciate everything that you said, but, you know, I think our volunteers and, and the supporters around Harley made the job of the professional team a lot easier. Sure. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount that. I think I don't have any skin in the game to say that it's not all them for sure. It is. It's a compendium of different things that happens and you have to have the team, but it's easy. And I know you're not saying this, but it's easy for people to think, Oh, Harley won. Man, it was destined to happen. That's not fucking true. You guys were up against uh, a 30 year incumbent in, in, in Dana Rohrbacher who really it was his to, it was his to lose. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys ran a stellar campaign from the very beginning. I mean, even Harley reaching out to a, a medium like us and being willing to walk into our home studio yeah. at the time. And I mean, when he first walked in, he was like, oh, uh, is this I'm, where this is? I'm in your living room right now. This is weird. <laughs> and that's um, from the very beginning. You guys, you took a different approach, a new approach, a fresh approach. And um, I think it paid off. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, and obviously, it paid, off, paid it, off. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Right. And when, when you look at the fact that we lost this seat by 16 points in 2016 yeah. in, a, in a year that, you know. Democrats do better in presidential years than midterms, right? Mm-hmm. And and then we won by seven. We flipped it by 23 points, you know, I think is a, a testament to a lot of things. I don't think there's one factor, you know, but I do think if you go back and look at the primary where we went by 125 votes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that is a testament to, you know, the organization of the campaign and and the belief of our volunteers in doing something different. You know, I thought about that a lot today, right? You know, today's my last day in California. And so I, you know, had lunch with some of our volunteers and, you know, driving around the district a little bit and, and you know, thinking about that these people took a chance. Yeah. Right. Took a chance on Harley, who was, you know, a new candidate and never run for anything before. was just a, a, a nice guy in a suit, you know, and, um, took a chance to believe in him and, and believe in our operation of doing something different, really, you know, where, like you said, we were not supposed to be a 30 year incumbent. We weren't supposed to beat the D triple C's chosen candidate. We weren't supposed to, you know, I mean, yeah. we overcame a lot. Sure. The other thing um, that I want to commend you as the, the Brown nosing continues. Wow. Yeah, um, perfect. My mom will be so happy. <laughs> well, no, is the, you guys really ran um, a, a completely above board campaign too. There, there were candidates in the, you don't have to speak to this, but there were candidates in the primary Democrats who weren't quite as honorable and you guys, I appreciate the fact that you guys were, were stand up every time Harley had a chance. He was a good and decent guy. Yeah. I, I just think about the same thing, right? Like, you know, there was a moment in the primary as it got late where 
we had not gone negative and, you know, we took a few punches and we made a decision that we we're going to go negative. That you were, we're going to, or that we're we, not going to. That we were. Oh, it was getting to that point. Yeah. Where it's just like, okay, you know, enough. And we're going to throw a punch back. And, you know, I remember calling some of our volunteers who had asked us not to do it and say, Hey, you know, you, you've been invested and you've asked us not to do this, but the realities are what the realities are. And we have to, and getting to listen to them and hear them out and have them tell me how disappointed they were. And then take that counsel back to Harley and say, I don't think we can do this. Hmm. And, and ultimately it was Harley's decision, right? You know, I was still, I'm still a political asshole, right? <laughs> I, I would have gone, I would have for sure, uh, because it works. Right. People and, always and because, say, oh, it's so bad, you can't go negative. Negative works. People remember and it. And it almost paid off for this individual we're talking about. Right. People remember it, right? Like 125 votes. Yeah. It almost, it almost worked. And, and it, you know, a testament to Harley and Kara to say, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. I remember talking to them on the phone and just saying, like, whatever happens, like, you still have to go to the coffee shop. Yeah. And you still have to look these people in the eye. And then ultimately deciding, okay, I'd, I'd rather do that without doing this thing. And, you know, and I think people demanded it of us and, and expected it. And, and it did pay off. And I think, you know, too often in campaigns, people will say, like, we did it differently. And I don't know if we did it differently, but I think that people who had not been involved in this way before didn't want to stomach the parts that they didn't like. And it, and held us accountable to that. And, you know, now reflecting on that, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. I think it's also, it speaks well of those, the grassroots movement behind Harley, the people who actually uh, gave of their time and gave of their, their their bl- their blood and their sweat t- to support him. It says something about them too. So really it is kind of a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. So before we kind of continue down this road of going deep into uh, the, the campaign. My deep abiding love for Mike. Well, that's fine. But <laughs> um, I want to go back a little bit and kind of get the, the deets on. I know I just used that word. I'm sorry. Um, how you, I think you mean details. Yeah. Details. <laughs> Um, how you came to be interested in politics at all. I know you said your first campaign that you worked on was 2003. Yeah. So how did you get into politics? What was that campaign? What kind of led you here? Yeah. So I grew up in Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, just outside Quantico, uh, Marine base and Virginia has our state and local elections in the off year. Uh, so next year, for example, right? No, no, no federal races on the ballot, but we'll elect our, state Senate, state house and, and county supervisors and school board. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I, I was always interested in politics and my parents ran a nonprofit. Uh, so they were always politically, you know, on the periphery of politics, um, to get funding and, and stuff like that. Um, and I got sick a little bit in high school and I, I was out of school for a while. So I, had an immense amount of free time on my hands and um, decided to volunteer on the school board campaign. And, you know, I didn't know shit 
and kind of the opposite of what kids with a lot of free time on their yeah, hands do. Totally. I'm, yeah, totally. I'm going to go volunteer on the school board campaign. I'm, yeah, I didn't know anything, and, and it was a good fit for the campaign. They didn't know anything. So that was, you know, a weird experience. But found out that I really enjoyed the, like, little bit that I got to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so just kept volunteering on local campaigns. And a, a, a guy I went to church with, Ran for lieutenant governor in 2005. It's the, the only time I've worked on a Republican campaign. You know, just thought it was an, an interesting entry point. Mm-hmm. So I got to, to learn a little bit more about how Republicans run campaigns, which was really interesting. And yeah. I made some great friends. And, and one of them is, is still one of my close friends today. And we've gone on very different paths politically. And you're friends with him? How yeah. dare you? <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> he actually, he ran for state legislature in Alabama this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's, you know. He's right at home probably down there oh, yeah. in Alabama. Yeah, but he actually texted me on election day and, and we had a, a nice chat and it's just like, you know, that's 13 years ago, right? And yeah. we've gone through some interesting political times and, you know, we've always put our friendship first and I, you know, I value that. That's awesome. But yeah, and, and, you know, so just kind of got bit by this bug and uh, realized it's what I wanted to do and, you know, took a lot of unpaid internships and my, you know, I was fortunate enough to have my parents there to support me through that, you know, lived in a lot of basements and on a lot of couches. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the, yeah, that's the, that's standard operating procedure for campaigns. Yeah. And it's awesome. In general. You get to make great friends, right? And um, all over the country, right? That, you know, we're driving back to DC starting tomorrow. And, you know, a lot of the places that we're stopping along the way aren't because they have cool tourist destinations. So it's like, Oh, we have a campaign friend who lives here. We have a, Oh yeah. You know, we actually have a campaign friend who, who started a brewery in Texas and we're going to his brewery. It's most certainly a lot of networking. Yeah. I mean, just politics in general is networking, but it's also, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of long lasting lifetime friends that I've made over the course of my time in politics because I, you know, I relatively recently switched teams and I'm kind of uh, disconnected from people who are still Trump loyalists. I don't blame people who aren't. I just don't understand. It doesn't, it doesn't jive with my DNA. So I, I haven't really maintained a lot of those relationships also because the the part of the Republican Party I was in was far extreme, very very right wing, Idaho, you know, very almost separatist, you know, militia type of weirdos. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so it's easy to kind of cut the cut, cut bait there. Well, I think it's cool to hear your story though, because a lot of people think, oh, how do these people that are in powerful positions in Washington, how did they get there? Well, they have to have money, they have to have connections, they have to do everything right, they have to have it figured out from a very young age. And you're telling us, like, I got this interest, I started volunteering for campaigns, you know, you just went out there and went for it. You weren't necessarily connected, your parents weren't people that were politicians. So I think it's inspiring to hear people talk about their stories yeah. as well. Yeah. You can go out there and volunteer too. You can go out there and make a difference too. So. Have you, have you taken part in, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot to be, maybe more to be learned doing on the job training than any other method, but you know, the DNC, um, they have little boot camps and school you've done. Have you done all that? Yeah. And in, in 2009, I went to uh, camp Wellstone, which is, uh, you know, after Senator Wellstone passed away, his, uh, I guess his, his sons 
you know, start a nonprofit to teach people how to do politics the way their their dad did it. it well, f- just for the audience so they know, uh, Senator Wellstone was a, a senator from uh, Minnesota who died in a plane crash. And Senator, I, I have a personal connection because I worked on Capitol Hill when he was there. And I was cu- just coming out of the haze of radical conservative republicanism. Mm-hmm. And it was when I got there and realized that if you have a D by your name, it doesn't mean you hate America. You, you, you're you just as much of a patriot as someone else. You just have a different op- opinion about politics. You mean and, once you finally had an opportunity to interact with yeah, Democrats, yeah, that was right. kind of the realization. And, and Wellstone was one of those guys. Who, Paul Wellstone was one of those guys um, who who was just a a beautiful guy, mm-hmm. uh, just a college professor. Um, he was kind of Bernie Sanders before Bernie Sanders was. I mean, Bernie Sanders oh, was there, but he was in the House and was kind of that crazy yes. white haired guy that everybody was afraid of. <laughs> Paul Wellstone was was um, yeah. just a special guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. It's cool that his kids are doing that. Yeah, and 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 so it, you know they they started this organization and. Uh, you know, they, they train, they do campaign management schools across the country with different tiers. They do one for candidates. They do one for, you know, people who want to be staffers and they do one for people who are just activists, right? People who just, you know, don't want a job, but want to learn how to be involved in their community. Um, and it's totally nonpartisan. You know, I think it's a 501 C three, you know, but, but it is about building progressive power. And so, you know, I was 2009, I just graduated from college and I uh, was living with my parents in North Carolina at the time and, um, you know, had an opportunity to go to this thing. It's like 300 bucks for the weekend. They give scholar, you know, it's 300 bucks on paper, but it's like, oh, you can pay 10. Great. Yeah. Come on in. So it was, you know, just a great training and actually ended up sitting next to a woman named Holly Lewis. Uh, and then I moved back to Virginia to work on a campaign, moved back to North Carolina cause my, my dad was having surgery and ran into a friend at a grocery store who said, Oh, I'm working for this guy who's running for Senate named Ken Lewis. I went to go meet him. His wife was Holly. Hmm. Um, so she had gone to the camp to, you know, knew that her husband was interested in doing this and gone, went to the program to learn how to, you know, what it was like, right? And what, what their journey was going to be like. So I um, got to do that and have gone to, you know, so the D-Trip does a bunch of trainings and, and things like that as well, which I've participated in. But Which is the the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Yeah, yeah. that's right. The D-Triple-C. Yes. I'm just getting you know, inside baseball terms when you here. become Yeah, when you become a Hill douchebag, like you get to talk <laughs> only in acronyms. <laughs> It's the same yeah. with the military, brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. Um, you know, you know a little bit about my background and how I did shift. I mean, we just talked about it. Shifted yeah. from from pretty far right to probably center right now. I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I, I am. There's nothing that Harley has espoused politically that I am not right behind, like single payer and all that. So, um. But there's been a, 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 a drastic shift to the left. Where where did you begin and where are you now? Has there been uh, any any shift or you kind of has it been stable? Yeah, I, I and I, you know, I think that labels are, are something that you apply to yourself. Right. And sure. so, yeah, you know, I, I still was, cringe 
at if I ever reference myself as being liberal, there's still like a Ugh, I don't. It just doesn't feel right. To, but I am. I'm. I'm fucking liberal. That's. It's just the conditioning that you had. Yeah, for your, sure. Your whole life. Yeah. Right? So anyway, sorry. Yeah, I, I I view myself as a progressive. You know, I think I've gotten to work for for great progressive candidates, and I, it, I'm. You know, I, I think I whether that that's a label they apply to themselves or not is a different story. But I think I've worked for people who have progressive viewpoints and and want progressive policies. But I wasn't a Bernie person. Right? I was a Hillary person mm-hmm. through and through. I believe that Hillary Clinton was a great progressive candidate. Um, it, it, you know, we, we were just talking about Senator Wellstone and, and Senator Sanders. You know, I don't think the progressive movement was something that started yesterday. Right? I think there was a lot of history behind the progressive movement. Um, and I also think that it's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, my brand of progressivism may not be yours. Um, I don't think it should be watered down, right? I think it has meaning, but but I think that, that it can still be a tent for different viewpoints. What is it that you like about the label progressive as opposed to other labels? Yeah, I think that like if you look at throughout history at, at the progressive movement, it's a movement that has stood for you know, workers' rights, mm-hmm. for human rights, as as dumb as this sounds, right? It's obviously a movement that's about progress, mm-hmm. right? It, it's about challenging the status quo, and it's about accomplishing things, right? It's it's not called the, I'm not a burn-it-down-ist, mm-hmm. right? It, it's about getting things done. You know, when you think about one of the greatest progressives in history, it's Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, who for wasn't sure. for sure. Last time I checked, not a Democrat. Not a Democrat. Definitely uh, a Republican. Right. And, you know, not a Republican of today. No. For sure. But... That that shift in party is storied, though. I mean, that's... Right. We know what happened. Of course. With with the Republican... The Southern strategy and all that, the history of it. If you don't know, just Google Read Southern book, strategy. Yeah. yeah. Read a book. <laughs> uh, any, just any book will probably <laughs> help you out. It sounds like you like the label more because it's more descriptive about what your views actually represent and not just, oh, here's my allegiance to this particular party. Or- yeah, and I, and I also consider myself a Democrat mm-hmm. for sure, right? Like I, you know, I'm not, I don't think in today's political environment, I could never see myself voting for a third party candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe in what the Democratic Party stands for. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think we should push the party forward. Yeah. And I think that we should, you know, work to to accomplish real things, right? It's not just about pushing the envelope to see how far we can get the envelope. Mm-hmm. We have to actually accomplish things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I think, I think in this campaign and having a, a candidate like Harley, and this is a big... A big win. Thank you. So there, I think you're doing that. You're, you're, in fact, Jesus, you're, you're doing fucking exactly that. Uh, Orange County and maybe more the 48th than anywhere else. I mean, maybe Mike Levin's district compares, but um, pushing um, this district blue into the progressive hands of Harley Ruda. And his stances on issues, like I said, you know, um, Medicare for all or however you want to spell out the single payer system that ends up shaking out, being for that and his strong stance on environmentalism and 
there is that is a shift that is progress and solid yeah thank you i I, and i think that you know it is amazing when you this was considered one of the harder districts Mm -hmm. of orange county i think we won the exception of mike levin you know who has a and on paper you know a lot of respect for for congressman levin and, and we look forward to working with him you know, on paper, he had Mike's a, been on the show. Yeah, and, and he has an easier district on paper, right? And and no, you know, that's not a knock on his accomplishment. Well, Daryl Issa wouldn't have walked away. Totally. If it wasn't uh, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Rohrabacher wasn't walking away. He no. thought he was going to win. Oh, he's moving to Maine now. Oh, wow. And you writing screenplays and moving to Maine? Yeah, he's mo- <laughs> he announced like yesterday he's going to move to Maine. Huh. Kenny Bunkport. Maybe he's moving into H.W.'s old place. Yeah, maybe. He maybe. must lo- love lobster rolls as much as I do. Oh, no, I think it's just that it's a little closer to Russia. Oh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> hey, the surfing's not as good. Mm. That guy hasn't been on a surfboard in fucking decades, dude. Come on. <laughs> I saw a lot of those Dana surfboard bumper stickers, though. Oh, did he have those? I didn't see any of those. I saw one. Huh. I, I didn't see a bunch. I saw one. Oh. I was exaggerating. How? What a liar. I know. Sorry. Wow. So what was it like to run that campaign? What was something unexpected, maybe, walking in that that you didn't know, that you wish you would have known walking in? Yeah, interesting. Uh, you know, I think, not to just, like, blow smoke up everyone's ass, but <laughs> I, I think two things. One, the level that Harley is a policy wonk mm-hmm. was surprising to me. Meaning he knew more than you expected him to know. Absolutely. And, and and not just like knew from the start, but like he loved reading about policy. Uh, yeah, he's, he definitely has a he's fluency. Not the, yeah, he's he not in the past tense. He still loves reading about yeah, policy, yeah. right? I remember <laughs> election night, he put down the book. Yeah, all right. Job is done. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I remember going to, you know, early on going to a lunch with him during this delegate process. You know, we had to went to lunch with delegates and asked for their votes and yeah, yeah, you know, let them kick the tires and and whatever. And we went to lunch with this delegate, and he just drilled him on this delegate just drilled Harley on really mundane policy, and I'm sitting there like I don't I don't even know what this dude's talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> And because I'm not a policy wonk, you know, and Harley knew all, had all the answers and, and knew what, you know, the guy talking in acronyms and, you know, HR17, whatever. Oh, wow. Right. And Harley's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, that the provision that you're talking about there, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, well, what is happening? Am I, <laughs> am I, what this, is happening? Am I, you need a new campaign manager, dude. <laughs> I'm like, am I this nah. stupid, like that everyone else just knows what this is? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, eating my sandwich syndrome sneaking in there. Absolutely, and <laughs> and so I got in the car, and Harley's like, you know, how how how'd it go? And I was like, I think really well. I'm like, <laughs> and I just said to him, I'm like, how did you? I mean, he asked really in the week questions, like, how did you? No, he's like, and he just looked at me. He's like, I love reading about policy. Hmm. And so fucking nerd. <laughs> you know, but not every candidate's like that, right? Yeah, you know, for sure. some candidates are just like monster fundraisers and some cancer are you know just great people you know great interpersonal skills mm-hmm. and and the fact that he was a great fundraiser did have good personal skills and again you know when you look at where candidates come from 
you know, the policy wonks are usually people who have worked their way up. Yeah. Right. And the fact that he came from a different world, right? The guy wasn't asking about business regulation legislation, you know? So it wasn't something that was like, oh, this is just my wheelhouse. You know, so that really surprised me about Harley. And I think the other thing that was a, a pleasant surprise every day was the the innovation of the volunteers, right? You know, Orange County, I don't think it can be overstated, like how, from a political standpoint, unorganized Orange County was. And that's not... For a, Democrats, you mean? Yeah, just like there hadn't been campaigns here, right? Yeah. On, well, I mean, when you have a district that gets... Or we'll just talk about the 48th, but the county in general, I think this is this is true of, when you have candidates that get their ass kicked over and over and over and over... There is kind of a loose, there is no organization because you haven't had like, oh, we almost won it. This is how we did it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just kind of just a clusterfuck. Well, and I remember, and I think I I hit you up about this too. When we hired one of our first staffers in in February or whatever, you know, he was coming from New Jersey or, or someplace. And we're, you know, we don't pay folks a lot of money. Yeah. And, and especially here, like it, we don't pay them enough to rent an apartment on their own. Yeah, very expensive cost of living. Yeah, and especially when like he were hired in February for an election in June, like no one's going to rent you a place for four months, yeah. right? So what you do on and every other campaign I've ever been a part of is, is you find supporter housing, right? Someone who's just like, yeah, I have a spare bedroom, right? You can, you know, some someone can stay there. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling around. And asking people, hey, you know, do you know anyone who does supporter housing? Anyone supporter housing? Just kept saying supporter housing. I, I told you no. Right. You told me no. Because I don't. And also, he would have been sitting in the middle of a podcast studio. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember finally someone was like, uh, I don't know what that means. You keep saying supporter housing. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that was the level. You know, you go to somewhere in Iowa or Minnesota. Uh, People are advertising their supporter housing. Yeah, it's just like you go, the, you go, and, and you know, some person gives you a list. Like, oh, this that, is the supporter right. housing There's list. There's a list. Yeah, right. I'll just call through, and someone will have an open room. Yeah, and, and here, not just for like people like the the dude you're talking about. We're t- even like lower level, absolutely people who aren't even on the payroll. Absolutely, there'll be a place for them to stay. Absolutely, yeah. and so it goes deep. You know, as soon as I explained it to the person what we were looking for, they're like, oh, okay. Oh, you know, we found him a great place. He had an awesome place. He's like living right free at the beach. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's the best support housing in the country. But it, I, it really was too. I, I, I was just so surprised by, you know, that we were starting with just building blocks, right? That like there wasn't a familiarity with the terminology. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like from that point, these people then organized canvases and organized phone banking networks and organized, you know, that they just created it not out of, well, this is what we've done every year. Really, really short learning curve. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into it. And I I think that was a a really interesting surprise, right. Mm -hmm. Of like, again, you know, I've had the, the opportunity to work in, places that have been heavily organized, mm-hmm. right? You know, I worked in Dubuque, Iowa, God, in the middle of a... There's no more organized joint than Yeah, than where it's Iowa. just like... On either side. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
you know, and, and those volunteers were great and awesome and, and a pleasure to work with. But when you see like what folks accomplished here without that culture and that training, yeah. they just figured it out on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's not a testament to, to us or, or how, how smart we were. That was them us saying we need to talk to voters. And they said, okay, I'll figure it out. Like yeah. I've got 20 people at my house. What yeah. give us a list. I, I can say that I've I've been around a lot of campaigns and I've never seen the the groundswell of grassroots support like there was around Harley. It was I and you've been around campaigns. I don't know to speak to it, but it seemed to me that there was just like endless supply like just all over the place. Every and organized and you you send out an email and then there's hundreds of people show up to it was it was remarkable. It it it's insane and you know, even it still continues, right? Harley just walked in a parade, a holiday parade in Lacuna Niguel. And you know, we literally decided Friday morning that we were going to do it and Saturday morning. And I posted a message like, I need any chance we can get 15 people to walk with Harley. And then 10 minutes later, I had to post again like, okay, stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> cut it off. <laughs> the street's not that wide. Yeah, they're yeah. just like, yeah, I'll be there. You know, not even people from people in Huntington Beach were like, I'll drive down. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, it's 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 all right. <laughs> That's great. You know, they're amazing. And I know that Alyssa, our field director, you know, she said during the Saturday of GOTV, on average, we knocked 100 doors a minute. Wow. I mean, that's, that's it, it, insane. It's tremendous. And well, I, listen, I think that it, there's a kind of a synergy that gets created when you've got a guy like Harley. And this doesn't have to be the, you know, kiss harley's ass hour here but um i'm super happy that that we we had any role whatsoever to play in his getting elected and he is the guy i mean he we 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 put our finger on him right away mm-hmm. early on when we could have had any of those knuckleheads that were you know the 45 people that ran for congress as a democrat <laughs> <laughs> and uh we didn't we we liked him and one of the reasons why we liked him and i think probably a lot of the reason that so many people volunteers like him is that he, and it kind of, kind of goes back to that political wonky fluid, uh, the fluency that he has. Um, when you can, I mean, how many stump speeches have you heard where you go from diner to diner to diner throughout a district and you hear the same, the same, and it's just like folksy bullshit. There's no real substance to a stump speech. Not with Harley Ruda. That guy when he goes through his four different kinds of healthcare and the, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just like, it's, it's actually engaging and interesting. Every, I've heard him say it now, probably eight or 10 times, far fewer than you, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And every time I'm like, this is just, there's something magic here. There's something special here. That's going to draw people to him that I've never seen before. Right, it, it, absolutely. I could see him running for president. He'd probably hate me fucking saying that, but I could see that happening in another ten or twelve years, or however. You know, I didn't do the math, so whenever a president. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I know he is taking a ski trip to New Hampshire, so. I don't. <laughs> and, then, and then he's, and then he's has they have a lunch set up in yeah, Iowa yeah, with some people he knows. This has nothing yeah. to do. With. <laughs> you know, look, I would say you know he's talked a lot about clean energy, and and there are no more the number the highest concentration of wind turbines in Iowa. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes a lot of sense for him to go out there and <laughs> and check those wind turbines out. 
Uh, I wasn't sure if he was joking yet, and then he got there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I that nobody wants to, especially right now. He just got elected. He doesn't want to hear that shit. But um, he has what it takes to move on. Like maybe Senate or something. Let's start there. I mean, there, there's. Uh, he's going to prove himself as a legislator, a legislator. And let me, let me say this, you know, you going into the chief of staff job, if you're taking any, any advice from a guy who doesn't uh, qualify to give advice, then here it is. Um, and it's, I'm stating the obvious it's don't let him be another Dana Rohrbacher where he doesn't fucking propose any legislation. He doesn't get his name on anything. There's no co-sponsorship. He doesn't write anything. There's not, it's, I expect, we expect a lot out of this guy, right? So I'm glad that you're you're there with him from cradle to grave, you know, so to speak. That you're you were here as a candidate. You know now all these hundreds of people, and you're going to be able to to affect some of that. I mean, not, not like he would uh, without Mike. Harley, Harley's not going to know what to do. But it, it it's it's just good to know that he's got some good people around him, which isn't always not always the case. Well, I appreciate that, and I and and it's something that like I have carried in my, in my heart, you know, since I got offered this job of, you know, the people like you, you know, you guys, like you said, you know, you guys thumbed the scale for him early. Right. And I knew that he was the guy you wanted. And I think about the hundreds of people who were shouting in front of Dana's office and, you know, people who've gave their money or their volunteer time or whatever, not for a scoreboard, right. Not to just say we won, they lost. Yeah. Who now like actually expect to have a congressman who gives a shit when a veteran walks in their office? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you know my story, so that right. really resonates with right. me. Yeah, uh, it, you know who and I had lunch with Beth Webb today, who is you know one of the volunteers who I we met along the way. She she organized HB Huddle and lost her mom and her sister to gun violence. Yeah, you know who expects a congressman to to actually care. Mm-hmm. And, and and you and know not be a dismissive dick about it when they're t- when they're asked which and again I'm you know I'm the guy who who kind of does like the scorecard and I'm uh, so I do kind of revel in the fact that Dana doesn't have a job anymore but but what you're talking about is real it's that's a real thing right that there are so many people in this district who've been affected by gun violence or whatever not to dismiss like that's a, a little thing but very real world experiences so they're not just like, oh yeah, Dana's gone. It's it's visceral for them that oh wow, finally someone represents me who really is going to represent my interest, and that's I'm getting a little tingly. It's, and they're, I mean, I think they're going to hold us accountable too. Like Beth said to me, you know, she's one of the people that that protests in front of Dana's office every Tuesday. Yeah, and she said, "Don't make me do it again, right? Like I, I'm not done." And I don't know that lady, but she means it. Oh, absolutely. Like her sign's not, you know, she didn't destroy it, right? It's just put away. Yeah. She's yeah. happy to go get it. Not happy, but she's willing to go get it back. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that, you know, what I hope we're able to accomplish is not just for the folks who did vote for us, but the folks who didn't and, and for the folks who don't vote at all. Right. And like the folks who are just out there living their lives, trying to get their kid to soccer practice, who don't know who Dana is or Harley is or yeah. any of it, who are just like, you know, want their lives to be better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that's an awesome responsibility and opportunity that we have, and I hope we get to do it. So I think you touched on some of it there while you were talking, but what what are you looking forward to most in starting this new job? What are you looking forward to? 
Yeah, I think that it's an amazing opportunity, right? Uh, at, when we were at orientation, they, they said to Harley, they said to all the freshmen, in the course of history, 12,000 people have served in Congress. Like that's a, it's an amazingly small number to absolutely. me. It seems small. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, and you know, obviously, you know, they all have bigger staffs than one. So like, you know, I'm not good at math. So like, you know, I don't know. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Welcome to the club. You know, I'm, I'm one of 12,000 people, give or take, that's gotten to be chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, you know, that's a pretty awesome responsibility. And yeah. and so that's what I look forward to is not, you know, that I want to have that like awe and inspiration when I go into the office. Mm-hmm. Um, how much, how much Hill, you ever work on the Hill? I have not. I think that's going to be good. Yeah. I, knowing you and knowing how smart you are, um, it is, it's a different environment up there, but sometimes it is nice to have a fresh take on it. Yeah, you're, you'll learn quick, and I'm sure you got all kinds of friends up there who are going to be able to steer you in the right direction. But that's solid. I'm I'm super happy that some salty veteran didn't get picked, uh, as in veteran on the hill, because um, because Mike is a grizzled Navy SEAL Iraq War vet, <laughs> not. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to be good. It's going to be good for a couple of you know a couple of pairs, three four pairs of, of fresh eyes on this situation. It's going to serve the district well, because also it isn't business as usual, and it hasn't been since, you know, November of 2016. Right. Or January 20th, 2017. Yeah, I think that, you know, not to make this whole show about quoting Beth, but, you know, she said to me throughout the campaign, you know, work like the our democracy, you know, depends on it. You're, you yeah. know we have an opportunity to save the world. And she wasn't being in her mind. She was not being hyperbolic. Right. Mm-hmm. She really, you know, that is the opportunity we have. Um, we need to get Beth on the show. She's awesome. That, that is, I mean, that's, that's, that's big time. And it's true. It is true. I mean, at the very least you have an opportunity to save the Republic, which is. Well, and it's powerful to hear you talk about it because you can tell that you really feel that going in. So, so let me ask you this. Obviously, um, members of Congress and their staff don't always have, um, they don't always see eye to eye or they don't have the same passions about it, particular issues. What are you looking most forward to relative to the accomplishments of the guy you're working for? I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm not saying this just because he pays me a decent amount of money. Um, but I, I do trust Harley and I think that Harley has said that he's going to represent this district, right? Uh, you know, he said it throughout the campaign. He's like, I'm not the perfect candidate for every district, but I'm, I'm the, I'm a, the right candidate for this district. Yeah, I believe that. Um, and, and, you know, what he has said he wants to, to accomplish is, you know, working on an infrastructure bill um, that I think is, is needed throughout the country. And I, you know, that's not sexy, right? Yeah. That's not like. It's wonky. Yeah, it's totally wonky, and and I'm you know, but when you think about the fact that they're you know literally right now raising the seawall on Balboa Island because yeah. the banana stand will be washed away. <laughs> That's right, you know, and then uh, there will be no money. 
Right. In the it'll, banana stand. It'll be, it'll be out in the ocean. <laughs> uh, you know, I, if we can, if two years from now, you know, if we lose, we win, whatever, and, and Harley can say, you know, I got to I got to work on an infrastructure bill that helped real people. Yeah. Right. That made that that saved homes that that made commutes better. You know, that's not that's pretty boring. But, you know, one of the people that that you should really have on the show and I think is amazing. The woman Danica Rome, who's a state legislator in Virginia. You know, she's the first transgender woman to get elected to a state legislature. She beat, you know, this is from my hometown, she beat Bob Marshall, who was, a, you know, the author of the gay marriage ban yeah, in Virginia. Yeah. Um, Bigot Bob Marshall. Yeah, Bigot yeah. Bob. All she does is talk about infrastructure. All she does is talk about transportation. You know, she's this, like, I don't know how old Danica is, 36, transgender lead singer of a heavy metal band. <laughs> right, right. And she's a very exciting person mm-hmm. and all she'll do is talk about traffic <laughs> yeah she she had this she told me about this interview Sexy. yeah <laughs> so, you know this reporter when she ran for office was doing an interview and she's like oh can you talk about the historic nature of your victory and she's like well you know we have to fix traffic on route 28 <laughs> and i'm like okay i know i know you've said it a million yeah, times yeah. and you know it's just like this loop where she's just like, yeah, that's cool. I'm not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Route 28. Yeah. And finally, the report broke down. It was like, Danica, you have to admit, if you get elected, it will be historic. And she said, well, if someone finally fixes the traffic on Route 28, <laughs> you're right. It, it will be historic. Right. You know, and so like. That's I, amazing. I, I think that, you know, look, I think Harley's going to have a lot of opportunities. Um you know, to, to hold this, this administration accountable and to work on climate change, to work on um, gun violence prevention, to work on uh, a lot of things that we talked about. But, you know, how many times have we talked about an infrastructure bill? Yeah. Well, it's also it always something, just gets like it's something that can be. I mean, Donald Trump is going to step on his dick and fuck this up somehow. But it's the one issue that right now could absolutely be accomplished bigly and it actually needs to be finessed, which is ridiculous. So it's good to have somebody who's going to be passionate about it because it's not just going to be good for the seawall. It's not just going to be good for traffic or the commutes. Not just for the banana stand. The economic uh, impact of of an infrastructure bill will be unprecedented. Maybe something like since we haven't seen since the Great Depression. Absolutely, I mean, it is. It has the potential to be something um, nation changing. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that he's that he's passionate about that because it's very, very important. And unfortunately, not real sexy. Right. Not, you know, I don't. We're not going to get on Rachel Maddow. For, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That has nothing to do with Har- the Byzantine now, Harley, Empire. Harley Ruda, <laughs> can you talk about the interesting amendment to the transportation bill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we always wrap by asking a final question. And that question is... How did we do on the show? No, that is not the question. <laughs> Brittany did great. 
<laughs> Jesse. Yeah, well, the, the tape will tell. What can I say? I'm the one who edits it, so it's going to be real good for oh, Jesse D. Okay, we'll see. Uh, what is the last thing that you changed your mind about? The last thing I changed my mind about was that I was going to go get sushi for dinner but decided I wasn't hungry. Oh, wow. <laughs> but now I'm hungry. So now I, I, you made a mistake. Closed. Yeah. And now your mind is changing again. Yeah. Well, the last is, thing that is profound. I sir. thought it was going to be something like, well, I was going to ditch out on you fucking people. Yeah. But <laughs> I ended up showing up. Yeah. So. I, thought, I asked if we could move it up earlier. Actually, I texted you. Yeah. It was schedule wise, man. We No, I, and I looked at the map and I was, yeah, I was down in Laguna. I'm like, it's an hour. It's an yeah, hour and a yeah. half. How do you drive in? Do you take PCH? It's a joke. Wow, it's the Californians right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to go there. I take. I live in Anaheim, so I get to. I get to take like four numbers. It's so exciting. Oh, that it's is like the ninety-one to Was the that, fifty-five. You, 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 this is the first time working in California, right? Yeah. So let's do one final thing. How goofy is it? How California? Because we're Brittany and I. Neither of us. We're both from Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um. How much of a shock was the 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 five to the fifty seven to the to the one ten to the four hundred five the six hundred five the seven ten? Yeah, it's pretty goofy. It because is in, pretty in, goofy. In North, you're you're not just talking about driving on it. You're talking about how everyone talks yeah, about talks it all yeah. the time. It, it, like you'll, the get, nomenclature, to, you'll yeah. get to your location. How you get here? Yeah, and everyone yeah. will say, "How how did you get here?" And then you stand around and talk about literally how you got there. And everyone has. Well, it was funny because when I first got here. I was living in LA because um, we didn't know where we were going to work and said, oh, 25 miles away on a map. Like, how bad can that be? Oh, God. Uh, you're oh, in no. DC where it's not great. Right. Right. Oh, no. I was like, oh, you know, I, it's going to be an hour. And it's like, nope, it's three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but every day, you know, Har- Harley and, and, and Catherine, who worked in the office with us, you know, would ask me about that. Like, oh, wh- how do you get home? And I'm like, I, I put in my GPS and. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. And everyone has like a secret tip. Well, actually, if you take right, right. The, the <laughs> 9, 10. To the, none of that like, matters because it depends on what time of the day that any route is better than another or mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. Nancy says that the, the motto for Orange County should be welcome to Orange County. We're 20 minutes away from L.A. If you leave at three in the morning on Tuesday. <laughs> well, it's weird. Look, having worked on Capitol Hill for as long as I did, and I lived far away at the time. I lived in in Stafford. Right. In in just on the border of Spotsylvania County, for all of you geography nerds. And uh, how do you get there? It was, well, <laughs> you just, you take the, the 95. You, it's not the 95. <laughs> you just drive up 95 and a brief respite on 395. It, it's just a weird. It's a weird car culture here. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn. Um. So, again, let's wrap with this. Not again. It's the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate you. I think you did a fucking phenomenal job. Yep. Harley is lucky to. Ha- I mean, Harley's outstanding, but he is lucky AF, sir, as the kids are saying. Lucky AF. If I had an emoji, I would do one with my hands but he's lucky to have you thank you um you served him well and uh i think he made a good choice or maybe kara whomever to bring <laughs> you along to dc so i'm i'm super happy we're very happy for you that you're because well, there's kind of a promotion going from campaign manager to chief of staff of mm-hmm. a member of congress yeah absolutely and and you know and i i mean this sincerely too that you know i recognize that 
you know, folks didn't have to trust him. And, um, you know, and there were a lot of exit points along the campaign where people could have said, well, I was with you, but now this happened, like, you know, sure. And, and you guys stuck with us and, and trusted us and believed in us. And I really appreciate that. And, you know, appreciate the opportunity you gave him. And and now by extension, the opportunity I get to have. And, and that means a lot and, you know, look forward to working hard. Yeah. We are, uh, we're eager. We're excited. And, uh, we really thank you for f- finally being able to get you on the... You're the hardest working man in showbiz. <laughs> Be, I mean, in your gig, you don't have any free time. I mean, we've had beers twice. Yeah, I think Maybe that's right. three times. I mean, it's your time is very limited. Yeah. You're, you're driving out to drive back to D.C. in just a matter of hours <laughs> from right now. So we're, we're glad we got some face time. We awesome. appreciate it a lot. Look, I'm... I'm it was something I really wanted to do and, and thanks for letting your listenership dip for one episode <laughs> to have me here. So always anything for you, brother. All right. Well, with that, we are going to leave you. Listen, we are a listener supported operation here. If you love the show and we know you do and who doesn't love the goddamn show? Yeah. Go to team mm-hmm. We need to use that URL more. Yeah. Team That'll take you to Patreon where you can support the show on a monthly basis. There are other ways other than Patreon. If you shop on Amazon and want to pour more billions of dollars into the coffers of the very needy, Jeff Bezos. We're giving you that informed consent so you know what's happening. <laughs> but yeah, we're not uh, selling it like he needs the fucking cash. Yeah. If that's what your thing is, go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. All right. No one's going to go there. I don't understand why you're continuing. Hey, man. After you we, just we, said we, that. You said uh, full, full, the full picture. We got to, we got to, we got to tell them. Just don't get one day shipping. Okay. It, it's really hard on people. Yeah, it's hard on people. Yeah, don't get one day shipping. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. Of course, he gets less money because he has to give us a little bit of it. And every, every little bit goes a long way. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. I'm sure if you have questions for the young and talented Mike, we could get him back on the show sometime. Mm-hmm. Call 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Again, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in twice a week or as often as you do. For Brittany Page, Mike McLaughlin, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.